Hi, my name is Dave Burrows um, and welcome to episode 5 of the Ski Instructor podcast. This week uh, I interview uh, Derek Tate, who's the chairman of the Irish Association of Snow Sports Instructors. Um, I went to see him at his uh, his beautiful home in Saint-Gervais, uh, Saint-Gervais-le-Bain, which is in the Chamonix Valley. And uh, Derek has just come back from Interski, so uh, it was a really good time to grab him and, and get his sort of... Uh, fairly immediate impressions of how Interski was and how it went. Um, we talked at length about that uh, in the in the first half here and also the uh, um, what IAZ presented at, at Interski and, and, and some of the other things that came out of that. So uh, enjoy the first half here and, uh, and I'll, I'll catch you um, I'll catch you at the midpoint break. Derek Tate, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, right, for those of you that don't know, and I'm probably going to get this completely wrong, Derek Tate, head chairman, president, not sure what the word uh, is. Cha- chairman of IAZ. Chairman of IAZ. For those of you that don't know what IAZ is, that's the Irish Association of Snow Sports Instructors. Sports instructors. Yeah. I keep getting that wrong because I keep using the word ski instead of snowball, uh, snow sports all the time. But you also run your own ski school, right? So you're based here? Yes, based here in Chamonix Valley, although live in Saint-Gervais. Okay. Um, but run British Alpine Ski School in Chamonix and also over here in Saint-Gervais-Majev. So that must mean that you get to ski in quite a lot of different and interesting places I guess if you if you must have clients that want to ski in all of the different stations yeah. in this valley yeah the, the Mont Blanc unlimited tickets uh, a very good ticket we can ski anywhere in the Avasio Mont Blanc or in Chamonix Valley so we've lots of our guests who've skied with us over the years in Chamonix who now come over to the Avasio and ski in Le Contamine or because that, that covers a, doesn't that cover a huge area so you're I mean, I, I came over the pass from, from Martigny, so it starts mm. down there at that end at Lavanchet, uh, at the end of Chamonix. Yeah, and that, yeah. so you've got Latour and uh, Grand Monte up at that end of the valley. Yeah. And then uh, Flegere, Brevon on the sunny side of the Chamonix Valley. Uh-huh. You've got the Aiguille de Midi sort of taking up to the Valley Blanche, and then Les Uches at the other end. Okay. But that pass, so then it carries on and it keeps going all the way down... To well, I guess to where we are, right? Well, yes, yeah. You come around so this side of the Mont Blanc range, and then you're you've got uh, Les Uches behind us, and then you've got uh, Saint Gervais Majeve the other side, and, and that's all on the the, the one it's the all, all on the one ticket on the Mont Blanc Unlimited ticket. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very good. That's really good value. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. How yes. much does that cost? I mean, if you had a season pass, you, you roughly how much is that for? Well, it depends for it's for a, a, a client. For a, yeah, I mean, some of our. People who live here, locals, mm. you know, expats who'd be living here would be getting sort of a residence ticket for probably about 800 euros. Oh, wow. For, for the whole season. And that would cover that's a lot that of whole scheme, area. Right? So, yeah. You can yeah, choose a different place every week and you'd be. Yeah, yeah. This, you'd this. never run out. Yeah. That's cool. Um, no, I really like the skiing over here. I was over here the other day with, um, like I said to you, with, with, with Glenn in, in Majev, and I was just amazed how, how quiet it was and. How, yeah. how well maintained and well groomed the piece. You don't want to tell too many people. It's nice no. and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Now we met a long time ago. I think uh, we've been in touch ever since. But we met a long time ago, and you were my examiner 
on the level three teaching exam That's for right. Bayesie. Yeah. It was a very, very pleasant week with a very nice bunch of skiers. And uh, uh, we were doing that in Morsing, I think it was. Yeah, um, it was Morsing. Yeah, no, I remember the course. It was, yeah. as you say, it was a really fun, fun week. It was a fun group of people. It was a fun group. I think, I think people generally enjoyed the course. Uh, it's true. And a lot of people who are on that course are all now, you know, they've all gone through the, the, the system and they're all sort of teaching over in that area. So it's, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, are you are you still doing anything with Basie or are you... Is, are you are you 100% kind of invested in the in the, the Irish at, system? At now? this stage, yeah, I'm sort of 100% invested in, in IAZ, but I'm, I'm still a member of Daisy, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll be eligible for my life membership in a few years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Get a badge through the post. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so still very much a member. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm not, um, not involved as a, a trainer or okay. as a board member as I was. was I suppose you don't have the time, right? No, no, exactly. It's a case of focusing time on one area rather yeah. than trying to do everything. Yeah, no, I can see that. Well, in that case, then let's. Let, so you have just the reason that I thought I wanted to get, I tried to get the timing right, and, and obviously we both kind of got stuff going on, but I wanted to particularly catch you when you just come back from interski. Yeah. Because I think this year's interski was particularly well publicized compared to um previous ones there's a whole yeah, lot think, more noise on social media about it than there yeah. ever has been so, social media has, has really taken off and i think all the yeah. participating nations have got the idea that social mm. media is, is what's the way forward what's the way forward yeah it's, yeah no i see that i see that from the you know i follow the swiss quite closely and and uh obviously the british stuff and and also um, from an irish perspective too um so you've been back from there for a couple of weeks now must mm. be yeah yeah. yeah, that must have taken. Well, it took at least a week out of your ski season, though, right? Or your actual work season? Um, well, quite a bit more than that, actually. Um, we we had a training camp for the team last November mm. in Caprun. Then we had another training camp in Pila uh, at the beginning of February before the madness of February. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the team went out a few days early before the congress as well. Mm. So yeah, the the commitment actually from the team was was massive uh, because. Uh, there was loss of earnings. For yeah, every, of course. Every, you lose, every, a, lose a week. Yeah. Every member of the demo team is working full-time professionally as, as ski instructors mm. um, in various parts of the Alps. So, yeah, they're losing earnings. They're uh, committing, obviously, to spending money because everybody on the Irish team is fully self-funded. Mm. Well, this is what I really liked about your, your setup um when you went because that's my understanding of it right everyone who was who is on in the irish representing the irish association mm-hmm. at interski paid their own way to be there yeah everybody it didn't matter and who, for the training and all of yeah, that it didn't know. matter who they were whether just a team member um or people like myself who's chairman uh, everybody funded themselves Mm. Um, so yeah a big commitment from everybody that is a, that is a big commitment and that I, I think that's a quite important point because I, I know that I've spoken to some other people who are quite I wouldn't say resentful but when you talk about the, the you know some of the other national systems it's funded by by the association and, and, and essentially the people that go I, are, are yeah I think it, var- it varies across different nations some nations um, fund their team to go other nations part from their team mm-hmm. and, and then in some there are other nations like ourselves who who fund themselves mm-hmm. they're simply not big enough to to put that kind of money into 
No, pretending it would be a big, big undertaking yeah. otherwise, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Um, all right. And so, so you're, you're fairly fresh back from it. Um, maybe, for those of you that, that don't really know too much about Insecure, what it's all about, maybe you can sort of run through for me kind of how, how the week itself rolled out and, and what yeah. was involved. Well, I mean, Interski itself has always been a platform for, you know, nations to send their top ski, snowboard, telemark instructors to to exchange ideas, mm. to share, to keep up to date with what's current, and the latest thinking on teaching methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this Interski, probably more than any other one I've attended, was, was really had that atmosphere of sharing. Okay. Uh, which was really nice because I think in the past it's sometimes been seen as a, a shop window. You know, you're sort of trying to compete with other nations, almost see who's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this time, um, yeah, the, the atmosphere was, was really, really nice for the whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it was different for us as well this time because having been at the last two congresses in... 2011 in St. Anton and then Ushuaia in Argentina, mm. we were sort of on a, a road of, of growing as an association and growing in terms of our attendance. So yeah, we were starting to get more well-known and more accepted that we actually were, you know, a real snow sports nation and not just, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, obviously when we went there in 2011, you know, people would sort of look at Ireland and think, well, who, who, who are Ireland? You know, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Can't possibly be teaching snow sports. So. Um, yeah, it was nice to to see that change, that acceptance from other nations. Well, I imagine. So I've seen a lot of stuff also that came out of the the Dutch, the Danes. You know, other mm. real flatland, lowland countries. Yeah, and, and the the Danes were, were one. You know, were particularly impressive. They had a big team there, mm. um, and their skiing level was was excellent. I mean, mm. it was really quite impressed with the Danes. You know, for certainly the flatland countries, I'd say they were. Yeah, yeah. Very, very much one of the, the best nations there. Okay. Um, their, their demos were very, very good. Their, their teaching stuff, the, yeah, they, they just had a really good package there. Their mm. social media presence was excellent. They put together some great video edits. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that, so yeah, they were certainly impressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I imagine you probably heard a little bit about their, their latest uh, ski slope they put on top of that power station in uh Oh, yeah, I think it's Copenhagen. This pictures super proud of these things, of yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really yeah, amazing. Um, so the interski format, it, it it follows what you have a sort of opening ceremony, uh, which I think maybe everyone who's who's following it saw probably the footage of that, and then it mm. follows. You have what four? Is it four days or five days of of kind of technical workshops, yeah, and so demonstrations, f- in the evening? five days? Yeah. So the Sunday was the opening ceremony, mm-hmm. which. Um, Obviously, was also St. Patrick's Day, which was quite All right. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I was hadn't realised, but Pamperova is quite a destination for Irish is it? snow sports holiday makers. There's quite a lot of um, <laughs> some tour operators. I think it's Balkan holidays, right? Um, organised trips there. So there was a big Irish community there. Plus, we had quite a lot of our core members who come out to support the team. Which, That's right, because was, you made a, a um, sorry, I'm not looking to hijack the, what you're telling me about the sure. format of the week, but you, you also, in addition to having your team go, mm. you made a, a sort of, for those interested in coming package. 
Yeah, we, we tried to follow the example of the Americans who've always opened up Interski to its whole membership. Huh? So, so they would encourage their just normal PSA members to come along to the event um, as oh, well as okay. yeah. So, so they have they had about eighty people there in total. In so the core team and then so the core team and then lots of of their members and they actually put an edit on recently of just some of their members who'd been attending and getting their views of the. Oh, of the fantastic. Congress, which is really good. So that, that was really what we wanted to try and do, is to open it up to, to the core membership and sort of get them involved. And how many, how many sort of guests well, we had, did you have? We had 20 in our sort of official team delegation. Yeah. And then I think we had 32 in total. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, we had a, a nice group of members came out and they were brilliant at sort of supporting, yeah. cheering, flags waving all the time. I think you saw more Irish flags in the crowd than any other flags for the whole week. <laughs> uh, and obviously St. Patrick's Day was a good way to kick that off Yeah, uh, yeah. With, with the opening ceremony. Yeah, And then, as you say, there's, there's five days of, of uh, the Congress itself where there's workshops on snow and you have lectures off snow mm. and then you have the technical demos in the morning and then there was two evening shows as well oh right so the kind of evening shows were the kind of time to really show off some good more complex synchro routines mm-hmm. um, whereas the morning technical demos was just to really try and show what different nations did or how they skied were you what what um i interviewed i think in episode two or three um jazz lamb and he was saying that he was expecting more of a convergence back in terms of national styles. We'll get to the topic of national styles later, but mm. he was saying to me that he was expecting more nations to, to more ski the same within those, um, or ski in a similar way within those technical demonstrations than in maybe in previous years. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably true. Um, you know, there's still some differences if you look at the sort of Japanese and their style is still still quite different. I think the Australians had moved more closer to other nations and that they yeah. were less obviously Japanese in their approach. Oh, that's interesting. Um, okay. But yes, across the top nations and then obviously some nations just stand out because they, they have such high level performers, they're either ex-racers or, yeah. but they're also... I think there were, the team that stood out for me this time was the Swiss, mm. who who were just, you know, seemed on a different level in oh, some ways. They're off the chain. So, yeah. so um, on, on some of the courses that I've done with the Swiss, you, you get assigned a Swiss, you've probably been in this environment already, but, uh, but you get assigned with your educator, you get assigned a member of the Swiss demo team. Mm. And like, oh my God, those guys are just, there's nothing they can't do. But and they're, I, they're, I mean, they're all... Majority, I think, are probably ex ex racers. Certainly, the one that I had was a guy called Damien Franson, who used to mm. race World Cup, and it just it's just a different level. Amazing what those guys can do. And I think it's also the Swiss culture seems to be to to do quite a lot of demonstration stuff within their ski schools. Yeah. They they have inter ski school championships. Yes, that's right. So their kind of national demo team are almost a pro demo team. Yes, yeah. So consequently, they were you know extremely good. Yeah, you know, I I videoed. Um, them on their technical demos on the morning just um, six of them doing short turns mm. I put that onto Facebook and it's the most viewed video uh, that I've ever put on oh, Facebook oh really okay I mean, yeah. it was up to nearly 200,000 views really 
Yeah, and it'd been shared a thousand times. <laughs> ah, it's amazing. And and that was just, you know, just one little clip of them doing yeah. some, some short turns. But well, they're doing at the moment. This, they've got the Swiss snow happening mm. in a place called Skuol, uh, which is going on at the moment. And you're right; it's all of the demo teams from all of the the, the ski schools across the, the Swiss Alps, and they'll go there and do their thing and crown themselves a Swiss snow king yeah. and queen or something. I think I think it's, it was interesting with the Swiss as well. Those they'd also not just on their technical side, they're, they're making a real, I suppose, effort to really understand what's required on the teaching side in terms of mm. modernising that. Yeah. yeah their, their whole thing was about ma- creating magic moments. Yes, yes, um, yes. So, so they're definitely moving more than some nations in terms of understanding, you know, customer care, what's, what's yeah. required to, to really deliver yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. retain customers or, that, or get that. new customers. Mm, for sure, that's definitely been sort of part of their direction and all the mm. the stuff that I've seen in the last two or three years, for sure. Mm. Um, and I've always thought that from a teaching side, that, that, that from the Swiss side, they've always seemed to be a bit formulaic. You know, they have that book and you've kind of got to do, mm. you know, that's can right. you do these set of three or four things? And if so, you get that particular medal, you know, it's just their, their, yeah. their, their kid's model. And I think there's probably more to it than that. But what it does do is it produces very skillful and agile skiers and i think that filters all the way through to the top of their 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 ski instructor system mm-hmm. pop out of their you know whatever it is the, the 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 book that they run all the kids through the the red prints blueprints thing um you pop out of that and then the next thing you know there's a sort of instructor level after that and the pyramid just keeps going up and up and up but it does you know the stuff that they put in you would have seen some of it, I think, because because I easy take, I think a bits bits from here, there, and everywhere, and I've seen some of the stuff that's in 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 your your program looks a little bit like some of the Swiss turns that they asked them to do, but yeah, I've we, never seen any other nation that asked them to do all of these kind of short term variations, you know. Yeah, we the, we've brought in some of that. We could yeah. sort of label that additional activities mm. that we, which we brought into our assessment yeah. criteria. Um, but yes, it does. It creates quite skillful skiers if you mm. can do all of these kind of tricks, if yeah. you like. Yeah, yeah. Agility yeah. type. Yeah, um, it's agi- I think agility is the key word, isn't it? Because that yeah. seems to be what they're after. Is, yeah. is, are you, you know, can you sort of dance on your skis? Essentially, is is yeah, is exactly. the way that they look when they ski for sure. Okay, um, so you're doing and and on each of those. Going back to what we were talking about with mm. regards to the format of interski, do you? You're not presenting. You're not doing a demo every day. Do you get no. a slot? You know, how many demos do you well, get to well, do? Well, some or? teams had some of their presentation, if you like, split across the week. Mm. Um, some teams had everything on the one day, which was us. Yeah. And oh. there were other teams as well. But so the Wednesday, the 20th of March, which will live long in the memory. <laughs> it's a long day. <laughs> was uh, We were presenting everything. All right. So, so that meant we had our technical demos first thing in the morning. Yeah. So that, that was just um, four of our team who did those. Mm-hmm. In fact, there were six on the first run and four on the second run. So okay. two runs, technical demos. Um, then we had our on-snow workshops. So we had two time slots for that, morning and afternoon. Oh, wow. Then we had an off-snow lecture. And then we were involved in the evening show that night as well. <laughs> so, so Long yeah, day. It was a full, full day, yeah. <laughs> and you, if I remember rightly, you delivered the off-snow lecture. Yeah, that's right. Um and I think I think we counted eighty eight people in the room, which was that's brilliant. Which was really nice to have that many people coming yeah. along. 
Um, so my, my Arsenal lecture was based around um, research that I'm doing for yeah. my master's. Okay. Uh, so I've been looking at the sort of connection between mindfulness and flow. Ah. Uh, flow being a, a mental state that we're trying to get into when we're performing. I was just talking about flow yesterday. Hmm. Oh, cool. Okay, go on. So so the sort of real name for flow is optimal experience. So you're trying to get into this state. Um, We're using a mindfulness um, training program to try and, if you like, increase the likelihood of that happening. Mm. And the participants from my study were the team, were the demo team. So the 10 members of the demo team had been engaged in that since November. In mm. Capron, right through to the final training prior to Interski. Yeah. And uh, then obviously you had the event itself, and I've just finished doing five interviews, which will form part of the, the sort of write-up of my dissertation. And how, if you don't mind me asking, I don't want to spoil your dissertation and no, no, the research no. that you're doing, so how would... Uh, I'm not going to explain this. So how, how are you... How are those guys getting into that kind of optimal... <clears throat> optimal well, state like, is, is there the, a way can yeah you, the, can you well the training point? program was designed around using the lift riding time right so we had um, five if you like meditative activities and five communication activities that they could use on the list ski lifts mm. so they were doing that in the training camps themselves and also away from the training camps and even using the activities away from the snow sports environment as mm. well so the idea is that, that these activities would help develop the skill of focused attention Mm. And focus attention is one of the common elements between mindfulness and flow. Okay. So the the, the basis of the, the research is that if you can train the skill of focused attention, then you're more likely to experience flow when performing. That's interesting. Because so. I've found a couple of states like that this season. I'm not sure, well, maybe we are or we aren't talking the same, about the same thing, but I'm, I've, I've been skiing around and I don't... Uh, and every now and then I'll get to a place where I'm kind of I've got that sort of euphoric feeling I'm thinking mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love this like, this is I'd forgotten how much I loved mm-hmm. it and yeah. it does happen if you're teaching all the time I think you kind sure. of you know you you get into a bit of a, a routine or a bit of a rut or whatever but every now and then I'm there and, and I can't I don't know where that, that feeling arrives from Yeah, it's a strange it's just it, I, I'm but, really really interesting well I think that feeling research. can be it could be when you're actually performing or skiing but mm-hmm. it could also be when you're teaching yes you know it could be any aspect of it that you suddenly get into that moment or everything you're just totally engaged in what you're doing yeah yeah and, yeah and then there's a you sort of derive a feeling of great enjoyment from it yeah you know so it's almost afterwards you suddenly think that was really special and that was really it's true I often feel that when I'm teaching when I kind of somehow and I'm not conscious of how it happens but I'm pulling together all of these elements it feels like a feeling of sort of like mastery almost of your subject and you're you're completely in command of, of, yeah. of everything you're doing and everything is just working flowing from like I say flowing from one thing to the other really well yeah and exactly. you're just on it that day but I, I, I wouldn't know how to bring that feeling on command. I think that no, and I, a, I don't. Difficult. That's very difficult, and it's you know that's obviously what the research was about. But you know there'll be no there'll be no way to sort of completely conclude that that's yeah you know something you can create. But it's I think we can uh, 
But you're saying that there's ways that you can we make can that arrive. We can facilitate and make it more likely that it will happen, but I don't think there isn't a switch. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was. <laughs> it would be nice if there was. But, it would um, be great, wouldn't it, to have that feeling? But it, interesting, other nations were talking about flow in it, in its correct sort of sense of it being a mental state. You know, mm. The keynote lecture from the Americans at the start was talked about flow. Um there was it came up again again with the Swiss with their magic moments because their whole magic moment was related to this kind of flow experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there was it seemed to be a topic that was was actually there in the in the Congress. Mm. So it was quite nice then to be able to deliver an indoor lecture, which was about the research that I was doing, which seemed yeah. to be something that a lot of nations were quite interested in. And I've heard you talk about this in connection with concept of mindfulness you know being present mm. and and that i guess forms part of it right if you're skiing down I don't know, whatever your favorite piece but you're thinking about something else that isn't related necessarily to what you're doing yeah well it's, it's there isn't ele- I, I guess the flow state is there's an element of like clearing out your head isn't there and saying right i just just hear the ski yeah i think rather than clearing out your head i think the phrase i like is bring order to consciousness okay and sort of uh puts everything in the right place as it were as opposed to being a monkey mind <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you haven't been inside my mind <laughs> okay cool and so and, and so you're preparing what that dissertation now and then that will be yeah that's to... um, working on that over the summer so it's it's due in by uh, end of August who are you, do, are you doing that with the uh, distance uh, it's the university it's in uh, Buxton University in, okay. near in, well, the university is in High Wycombe. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, it could have been distance, but I, I, the first two years of the course I attended weekends every every month of the winter season. Oh, wow. Flying back to the UK. So, uh, cool. yeah. Okay. But the, this year it's just been the dissertation, so I haven't actually needed any contact yeah. time with, with the university as such. And is this something that you're going to carry on? Are we going to see a, a doctor, Dr. Tate or something? No, I don't think so. I think a master's is probably enough. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea you were such an academic. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> okay. But this is something that you're doing, you know, just for your own pleasure? Yeah. Yeah, it's for my own pleasure, but it, it also complements what the work we do as ski instructors. Yeah. You know, so it's the, the psychological side for our guests is huge, you know, so... You know, that's that's a really important part of it. So. Yeah, that's true. The psychological side is huge, and if you find out a way to to kind of find an on off switch for confidence, that would be yeah, super. exactly. Yeah. I've been with some lovely, lovely Irish guests all this week, and they were the the one of the ladies in particular was you know one minute it was there skiing beautifully, next minute confidence gone. You know, it was just and then back to an enormous sort of snowplow you know because yeah. that's yeah. that's the safety mechanism and it was it's very very hard but again she she went through some of these moments where she was in a flow state and okay you know a couple of things went right in a row and the next thing you know she's skiing beautifully and confidently mm. and much faster and then it goes again and it's a yeah. really i wonder if that was to do with something to do with what you talked about, the, you know, the order of consciousness, if you've got that much going on in your mind. Yeah, and you're also trying to, as you mentioned, stay in the present as opposed to worrying mm. about things that have happened in the past yeah. or what the consequences of doing something are in the future, you know, yeah. so it's trying to just stay stay on task. 
So. Did you do anything with the guys when, when you were talking about them about how many things, technical things that they were thinking about during their skiing? We said that, I mean, I used to play golf a lot when I was really, really young and really young, younger. And um, you could never, you know, when you're trying to swing a golf club back and forth, you could never really think about more than one particular thing. And I yeah, find no, skiing's a little we, bit like we that. We talked a lot about that, both off slope and, and on ski lifts, you know, as we engaged in the activities that, yeah, that you know that that they were working through, so there, there was plenty of discussion about how that was happening. Yeah. Um, what was quite interesting with the team was they were, for all of them, it was their first time at an event like this. Mm-hmm. So none of them had ever been, you know, performed in a demo team, at, you know, on the sort of world stage like this. So, mm. so there was definitely pressure there yeah for sure you know that amongst the team there was people who had competed who'd raced so yeah there were some who had maybe a better handle on their mental skills but it was still a different environment for them mm-hmm. so it, it was quite interesting speaking to them as you say about what they were thinking about and, yeah and what you found was a lot of their focus while they were performing was external not internal mm you know, especially in a demo team because you're focusing on, you know, what, what the person in front is doing or... Yeah, of course. Just keeping the rhythm and knowing when to change rhythm, mm. you know, what, what the routine is. So there might be some counting or something going on, but yeah. there, there wasn't much in the way of technical focus. No, you, when I, they were actually there's, performing. there's no time for that. Right? No, exactly. That's all got to be done in advance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And I suppose you know, the, the pressure must be enormous, right? I'd never really even considered this, but you're, the, you know... However, many of the world's best ski instructors mm. are are at the bottom of this slope watching. Yeah, I mean there was quite a crowd there. I think probably the opening ceremony was one of the hardest because you know that was the start of the week, but also the build up to the opening ceremony. I think the team were actually at the top of the hill for nearly two hours before oh, waiting because there was a, a lot of speeches and there was all sorts of stuff going on at the bottom. Oh. Um, so so it took ages and it was a really hot sunny day mm. <laughs> um, so you know the, all the teams were at the top so that that was quite a long build up to actually yeah. doing doing the run so the, the pressure obviously was on yeah um, but as I said certainly the feedback from everybody else as well was that the kind of banter the camaraderie between the teams was very good oh that's uh, nice to know. so you know that probably helped to, to make it a much nicer atmosphere yeah but you said in previous years it hasn't been so much like that. Um, I don't know if it's... It, it probably was just perception in previous years that it was a little bit more of a competition, mm-hmm. you know, that, that you're very much there to try and prove, prove yourself. Station skis are best, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're trying to, to make, you know, I suppose almost sell yourself um, and your nation and, and your, your system. Mm. Uh, but, but that didn't come across that way this time at all, which was, uh, was really nice. Yeah. yeah. Because essentially, it's just a big idea swap. Well, that's that was my that, understanding. That, that's always been the idea of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, nations are always going to still want to see how they stack up against other nations and mm. whether they're they're credible or you know. Um, mm. and, and as I said, certain nations will, will always stand out as as being particularly strong. Well, yeah, yeah. But I suppose when it's your national sport, it's kind of yeah, it's going to exactly. be the case, right? You know, I, yeah. I, I guess there were were there not some nations that weren't there. I didn't see any footage of French or Italians. Is no, the French and Italians are currently not members of the International Ski Instructors Association. 
Yeah. So it it's all sort of political stuff, but mm. to to attend Interski, you need to be members of one of the sort of international bodies. Oh, I see. Um, so Interski International is kind of the umbrella organization of ISIA, IVSI, mm-hmm. and IVSS. Yeah. So if you're not a member of those associations, then you can't attend Interski. Austria seems to be slightly different for some reason. They have a separate uh, Interski Austria organization. Um, ah. so, so they were there, okay. even though they're not members of ISIA. Okay. Uh, the French did have a representation there, mm. um, but that was they didn't have any, any of the sort of national team there, mm. uh, and likewise with the Italians. It's a shame. It's a real shame, isn't it? Because yeah, I, I quite yeah. like how the French ski, and I would have liked to have seen their. In top fact, the French weren't in Ushuaia either. In oh, really? So oh. the Italians were, uh, yeah. but the French weren't. So they've now missed two interskis. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, the Austrians were very strong, very well, mm. well drilled in their routines. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they were another nation that stood out, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of expect that of the Alpine nations. Yeah, you would expect it. Yeah, sure. You would hope they would. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine they've got a fair, fair few number of ex World Cup guys kicking around who can yeah, probably ski exactly. a bit, right? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so you're so, so you did one, one, um, one presentation, which was yours, the off snow presentation, mm. and your on snow presentations were they on the same topic or were yep. they a different? Um, different well, the on snow presentations were more about our sort of whole philosophy and how we've developed the sort of content of our system. Mm -hmm. Um, So we we were looking, in practical terms, on the workshops, we were looking at how we would use drills to develop skill and then try and get rid of the drills to retain the skill. Um, so that, that yeah, was, that's piqued my interest. You're going to yeah. have to tell me miles more about this because I'm I'm a kind of fairly anti-drill guy. Yeah, well, I'll use them. I threaten my clients with drills. Well, the fra- a phrase we have in so. one of our chapters of, of our new manual is, is "lose the drill, keep the skill." So it's your like, new manual, by the way, is great. Thank you. I have to say, <laughs> I've read it. I haven't read all of it. I'm I'm plowing my way through it. It's my summer reading. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a lot of stuff in there. Really impressive. So, so this idea of lose the drill is it's not a case of we don't use drills, we use drills as they're required. Drills, mm. you know, some of our additional activities are effectively drills. Mm. Um, so they develop certain movement patterns, certain skills, but what we're quite, or what is essential is that whenever you use a drill, you know exactly why you're doing the drill, what movement patterns you're trying to develop. Mm. Um, or, and then those skills are retained <coughs> as you as you kind of work back to normal performance. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to show how we would use a progression to a drill and a progression from a drill mm-hmm. so that we could retain the whatever the, the skill was you're trying to yeah. to develop in the in the learner. Mm-hmm. So that, that in a sense that was our practical element of the workshop, but behind that we were also trying to show how we were integrating our diamond model of skill acquisition, which incorporates this kind of mindful learning approach and flow again as being something we want to try and help our guests achieve mm. so you know that it's it's the kind of whole package of how we put all that together and I think interestingly some nations couldn't totally grasp what it was we were presenting mm-hmm. they, they, they could see the drills it was really yeah. obvious the drill you're doing but they couldn't see what was behind it so much you know and, and that it was actually how we how we go about working with our guests 
to ensure that they're always um, again in the moment that they're actually we're giving them the right stuff to to keep them enjoying mm. what they're doing because obviously our outcome of it all is that they're going to have a great experience and, and want to come back for more so yeah, yeah so yeah. it's the, this mindful learning approach rather than um, I suppose more traditional you know just direct teaching styles where you just get people to keep you know do what I say you, you yeah know, you, there's more decision making on the part of the learner you're, you're actually responding to the learner's needs mm. you know so so all, all of that is is kind of wound around if you like this kind of lose the drill keep the skill mm. I see an awful lot of people you probably see the same on the hill who are substituting yeah, deep teaching for a bunch of drills and I, I, I see it, I mean, maybe I don't, don't see it over here so much, but, but you know, just giving people drills and stuff to mm. do without them understanding the basics or, or the, the fundamentals behind it, yeah. I think is a really, um, is, is not a good way to be going about stuff. I always view, I do use drills often, but I always use them as, I think, what I try to do, what I try to do first is explain it really well and clearly and simply first, the thing I'm trying to, to do. And then if I need to add in a drill, then I'll do it. Mm. But often I won't need that drill if I've explained myself well enough at the start. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's the kind of the approach that I tend to use. And it's, it's I say that I think with some people there is a, is, is a, is a, over-reliance you know you see people just putting clients through remorseless drills to all the time and like you say there's more to it than that because I mean, part of what they're doing when they're in a lesson with you is they don't necessarily not all clients and you'll know this from the the guys that you, the, the, that you get maybe some of the expat clients or certainly some of the holiday clients they're here, they're here on holiday too right mm-hmm. they're here to enjoy themselves exactly, maybe yeah. you know they, their ambition might be just to be to, to be looking around um, and not everyone wants to I say this to my guys frequently. Not everyone wants to get better at skiing when they come for a lesson with you. Some people yeah. just want to see the area. Some people just need want to have a chat with someone because they're lonely. Oh yeah, there's lots of different yeah bits to the sport um, for sure, and and that's that's really important. Um, but certainly going back to this, even just the drills, it's. It's, there isn't just one way to do a drill. Mm. There might be lots of variations of that drill because you're trying to develop a range of movement patterns mm. so that as they, and again, this is where the mindful learning comes into it, that people are, are actually aware and adaptable as they're learning. Mm. So they're able to make these subtle changes that they need to, to mm. cope with the different terrain. And, and obviously Phil Smith talks a lot about the kind of open environment that we ski in when we're yeah. when we're, we're, in a, we're learning to ski and and you know snow sports is very much an open environment. There's so much is changing all the time, so you can't have just one set movement pattern. It's just not going to work. It's not no. going to work everywhere. No. So you have to develop a range of skills, and hence you know that that is what our system is based around, and that's mm. what the Diamond Model of Skill Acquisition facilitates. Is because you have this mindful approach, this adaptability variation in performance as you get mm. to the to the higher levels um, and then if you get all of that working you're more likely to then also experience the mental state of flow mm. um, but it's 
it's coping with that environment that, that is so challenging all the time and so changeable all the yeah. time. And, that, yeah. and that, that's, you need a system that actually supports that oh, and, and doesn't try and just yeah, yeah. give you one closed set of skills. Mm. Um, that doesn't work everywhere. <laughs> well, that's true, right? And I've spent, like I say, this week I've spent, I've spent the majority of my week adapting to conditions as they've changed. You know, it's that time of year. Mm. When you know you start yeah. on ice start on hard snow and ice, and then you know slush. two hours later, yeah, exactly. you need a completely different set of skills in order to be able to yeah. ski. And so, um, so that was very much the message we were trying to get across through the the workshops. So it's it what's behind the drill mm. and losing the drill and keeping the skill. It was it was that wider aspect, and I think some nations understood that, some maybe not so much. Yeah, uh, but I think what was what was fantastic for us this time was. It was just the level of attendance we had at the workshops. It mm-hmm. was huge. We ran three workshops on the first time slot in the morning. I delivered one, and then um, with another number of the other team members, Ali Smith, um, Chris Oldeker also delivered, Pete Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we had four workshops in the first slot, and then we had a further three in the afternoon. So, you know, we, we reckon with the numbers of people that were attending, you know, there would have been 15, 20 plus people in every workshop. Oh, really? So, That's you great. know, we had, we had a great, great attendance. And yeah, to be fair, all the workshops were well attended across all the nations. Mm. But, you know, it was just nice to be fully involved in the Congress, you know, at, at every level, mm. from the demo hill to the workshops, to the lectures, and to, to feel we had something to say this time. That's well, really so. good, isn't it? Yeah. That's really good. How does that feel, um, you know, you're, you're, you've been around, it's fair to say you've been around the block a little bit, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to, okay. try to say that nicely but how does that um, as an experience for you how does that feel to stand in front of you know essentially a lot of high level other high level trainers within other systems and then present something that that is is yours is, is there a little is it a little bit intimidating maybe well, yeah of course it's in there's certain nervousness as well of going to the congress and, and doing that but it was I think what was so nice for me was seeing the rest of the team all involved in delivering that. Mm. Um, you know, because yes, it's been my dream to achieve that, but to have everybody else delivering was obviously brilliant. Mm. And and they got a real buzz out of it. I mean, some of the some of the demo team coming back after the workshops. Um, I remember one one person particularly saying they they'd come all for the demos. Mm. Um, but they actually enjoyed assisting at the workshop oh, almost cool. more than the demos on the hill. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was, yeah, it was really nice to, to feel that the whole, the whole di- different aspects of the congress were just as important. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, cool. Um, your, this is at the interski. We still we'll stay on the topic of mm. interski here. So. From the other demos that you saw, or um, demos or presentations that you saw, um, and we'll, we'll come to national styles, it's a slightly different thing. So from, yeah. from the presentations that you saw from other nations, were there, were there anything, did you, did you see anything that really, really stood out for you that was sort of, wow, that's, that's super interesting? So in terms of the workshops or in um, terms of the... Stuff on the demo hill. Not on the demo hill. We'll come no, to that. More, um, yeah, workshops. in terms of the workshops, what other idea uh, nations were thinking? <laughs> I, and, and I, I think to some extent, um, 
I'm actually the wrong person to ask because I was so engrossed in making sure that everything happened for us. You, you know, did. As, as, <laughs> well, as, as head of delegation, I did attend yeah. some other workshops, but mm-hmm. in previous congresses, I probably attended more. Mm-hmm. But we had we had such a big team this time that we really allocated that job to everybody else to attend oh, all okay. of the other workshops. Um, and we will have um, stuff coming out from, from team members. Uh, over, so that's over all going the next, in a central next dossier year, somewhere. Yeah, we'll, we'll get stuff out about what what uh, what was presented by other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, some some nations have got a lot of stuff out already, but I think we're going to just you know drip feed stuff out over the summer. That's not how he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I did attend some stuff, but but to be fair, other members of the team attended a lot more. I need to go um, and ask them. Yeah, to, well, to, to <laughs> some extent. I mean, there was one off snow lecture that I went to, and I missed the on snow presentation from Croatia. Now I can't remember the guy's name. Mm. But um, that actually blew me away. That was one of the best lectures I've ever been to. Funnily enough, it was a psychology-based lecture. Um, oh, tell so, me more. So, tell me more. I'm interested um, to know what the question is. Well, actually, I, I, I can't completely remember all the detail of it without mm-hmm. sort of referring to my notes. And But it, it, it was just how, how forward-thinking they were. And again, it was very much about, you know, guest focus. Mm. Um, you know, and, and it... I think that for me was maybe one of the things that was changing more than even the the national styles was that a lot more nations were coming around to understanding that the soft skill side of teaching people is actually um, well, that, very very yeah. important and that and the, you know the congress theme about future snow sport well if you if you're not actually dealing with customer needs then mm-hmm. you're not going to have a future in this in snow sport because people will find other activities to do well, on a on a previous podcast, we've talked to Ali Ali McGrain, who, mm. who you know his brother Neil, and um, it, I always find it funny when you talk to people who are sort of stateside and they and they refer to clients as guests. Mm. You know, it's they're, they're very much much more on top of I think much more on top of the uh, the client experience thing. Yeah, than we probably are in Europe. I would say, or, or we as in you know everyone on the mountain I'm talking about and and um, I think well it's nice to hear that people are waking up to that right yeah I mean the Americans and the Canadians are very strong on that guest mm. focus and, and and where once again you know and, and all of their team the Canadians have always said their their demo team are all working professionally ski instructors mm-hmm. so that they I remember um, Warren job sort of commenting in 2015, you know how they could they could bring better skiers, mm. but they bring people who teach the sport full time, ah. um, because you know they're they're actually that's um, great. Really interested in helping people learn. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, So I think again we that was very much our ethos as well. Our team were all working full time as, as mm. ski teachers around the Alps. So yeah. Um, well, know, this I is think, this is I what I think I'll that's what, yeah. what inter-ski should be about. It's about mm. ski instructors you know, exchanging ideas of how they teach. I, I, I tell anyone who's, who, who wants to listen about this, I tell my clients often that, that, you know, we have some good ski, good skiers in my ski school. Good. They're not the best that you'll find on our local hills by any means, but what they're in it for is the teaching. Yeah. And, you know, when we're talking, we're talking about the majority of clients, it's very rare that we, we get a client maybe you do here I'm not sure in the Chamonix Valley but it's very rare that we we come across a client who skis 
anywhere near the, the level that we could ski at if we wanted to as instructors. But the important thing for me is that can we get our ideas across? Can we get, you know, can we can we help that person? Can we help them to have a good experience? Can we help them to, 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 to make skiing easier for them? Mm. Um, you know, and I think I think that's for me in this industry, you know, we're not we're not all racing on the World Cup. You know, we're not having to be, you know, making crazy angles all the time. We're 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 here to teach in the business of teaching people how to ski. Yeah. And that's what we should be the best at. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that ultimately is why we're here. Yeah, you know, is yeah, to right. is to get people to enjoy the sport and mm. and get more people involved. So. Mm. I uh, really enjoyed my interview with uh, with Derek. I think he had a lot of really really cool stuff to say, and it was lovely to hear someone explain what goes on at Interski. And, uh, and and all of the things that came out of it from his perspective. Um, in part two, we talk about uh, differences in national styles, so some of the more interesting things that he saw uh, at Interski. Um, we then go on to talk about uh, his ski school uh, in the Chamonix Valley. Uh, we touch on the inevitable topic of Brexit, which is everywhere, um, as well as, uh, as, as how that affects uh, IAZ, um, and uh, various other bits and pieces as we go on. Um, so I hope you enjoy the second part. Um, episode six, I've got the uh, the next interview lined up, and that's going to be quite interesting, I think, for some of you who um, uh, don't have this kind of weird arrangement that we have uh, sometimes in the UK, where people are skiing indoors in in uh, indoor snow slopes. So uh, I'm going to be speaking with a good friend of mine, Scott, who runs a ski school out of one of those, um, which I think is going to give us a, a really different perspective um everyone that we've talked to so far is really kind of alpine focused and is based out here so uh it'd be interesting to speak to scott and uh, and go from there but enjoy the rest of derek's um uh, derek's interview and uh and i will catch you on the next one Gonna go and hunt down Mr. Croatian man's uh, psychology lecture, but yeah, um, well, I, can, I, can, I can share it with you anyway. I, I, have, I have the slides. Croatia's going through something of a renaissance, isn't it? And they had um, in this year in the World Cup slalom, they were loads of guys are absolutely doing amazingly well, yeah. But, um, but I suppose it's no surprise they put Kostelic in at the top of their, their, their team, their team manager now. I guess he's having a huge influence, but maybe that's leading to a greater renaissance in Croatian skiing I'm not really sure yeah, I don't know enough yeah. about it yeah okay um, national styles then so we talked just about the the, the Swiss then mm. who who have I mean they're exceptional skiers but they do have quite a unique style in some ways did you see any other um, nations we talked also about the Japanese probably I imagine the Koreans were there too they're doing, doing a, a something that doesn't look like. Yeah, the, everyone else. Yeah, the Japanese are still quite focused on that sort of more what we would have called mid stance in the old days, but you know, just a lot of cross under mm. feet pretty close together. Um, you know, able to create massive angles. Mm. Yeah, but so, and they're they're short. They did a workshop on short turns, which was, you know, a lot of our team came back sort of 
buzzing from it, you know, and, and that was more our members that were there, mm. you know, because they, they just really enjoyed that experience and they had huge numbers sort of going on that short-term workshop. So mm-hmm. I think it was just fun trying out the Japanese-style short-term. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, you know, so, so that that was obviously uh, quite interesting, but not dissimilar to what they've done before. Mm. You know, I think in, in 2015 they, they looked fairly similar, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think they've really changed much. No, no, no. Um, as I said, the Australians probably kind of moved closer to the, if you want to call it the norm of what people yeah yeah looked like. Um, you know, so, so whereas previously they'd been a little bit closer to the Japanese in their style. Yeah, there's uh, definitely an influence there on, yeah, on some of the top guys for sure. Yeah, but again, they're a very, very good team, very strong skiers, mm. as, as they have had. Um, so impressive demos. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, again, the Slovenians were similar to before, but they're very race-orientated in their approach. Mm-hmm. Um, very GS-focused. Right. And, that, and their whole system is geared around that. Okay. Which is kind of strange, because I went to their workshop, and you kind of got the impression that if you didn't want to be a giant slalom racer, maybe skiing wasn't for you. Oh, really? <laughs> just, okay. just in their focus. Yeah. Uh, but... Whether that was a slight misinterpretation of what they were trying to get across, I don't know. That's interesting. But they did have some, you know, some nice focuses in terms of the technical and at the high end, uh, mm. you know, they, they were very much, um, I think the, the chap I was with, again, I can't remember his name, that on the workshop, you know, he said, uh, you know, you want to keep the hip high from the ski, but low to the snow. You know, okay. Which effectively is meaning keep a long leg. Yeah. Um, but it was just a nice phrase, mm. just just in terms of, you know, avoiding this kind of dropping the hip back, just make sure the move, hip was moving inside the turn, mm-hmm. getting close to the snow, but with a, a very stacked and strong position. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, their whole focus is, was very much around giant slalom. They're very much on bigger radius skis. Right. Um, than some of the other teams. So that, a lot that of the was, team, I heard a lot of, well, I heard most of it to ski and, and a lot of the, the trainers certainly from, from, you know, when you go to a Swiss thing, everyone's on slalom skis. Um, yeah, it was a mixture, yeah. but but yeah, they were the Slovenians were very sort of adamant that giant slalom skis were were or that kind of bigger radius was was going to develop better better technique. I kind of agree with them, actually. So I think sometimes a slalom ski is too easy. You know, you can just lean yourself in, and you can still make quite nice arcs on that. It, you know, obviously at the higher end you can you can do more but I think a, a longer ski a, giant, a more giant slalom type ski you have to be more precise in your yeah I think so setup. but it's also similar to saying that skiing on big wide fat skis is also not very good for your technique well I agree <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so generally getting onto something with some side cut is going to improve your technique um, yeah having these big fat skis is, is certainly making it easier for people to get into different parts of the mountain but it's not mm. making them better skiers no it's also destroying a lot of knees as well potentially yeah well. but uh, I, I mean I, I have a, a blend so I've got a you know, slalom set a sort of GSE set which I use most of the time and then you know, fat set but I, I think it's important to jump from one to the other every now and then keep yourself keep mm. yourself honest you know yeah. yeah you just ski the same ski all year I think it's, uh, it's yeah I think I think that's right changing skis is, is really good for you and again mm. that fits with this kind of more open environment and the fact that we're 
sort of staying mindfully aware of the changes we need to make every time we go out. Mm. You know, whether it's the different equipment or the different snow or yeah. different terrain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's making us more adaptable performers. Okay. Yeah. Who, who are the... Um, I saw that there was a demo team from San Marino, which is... Mm-hmm. I was surprised at. It's a small, um, again, small they've, they've, been, they've been quite evident in the last... Uh, in Ushuaia 2015, they had a big team there and they, they were there in 2011 in St. Anton as well. Okay. Um, they must have some kind of major funding or sponsorship because yeah, they, yeah. they do have all the latest kit. Yeah. Um, always. Uh, and they're a very young team. Right. You know, meeting the team and, and having met some of them before, the, the actual demo team members were probably all early 20s okay or or even younger perhaps yeah. um, <laughs> which you know is obviously again there are good skiers yeah and i think this time their demos were more polished than i remember them being in in Ushuaia. yeah um, where do they ski there's any skiing in san marino is no i don't think so <laughs> so i presume in other parts of italy yeah, probably mostly, mostly. Must yeah be. i'll have to yeah. find that out yeah were they the smallest nation there was there do, there any others that I, I uh, in terms of any. the country or the landmass, probably. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> but I don't know about. But there are any other nations that we I didn't hear about? Um, I'm trying to think of the kind of the lesser lesser known ones. Um, there. I mean, there's there was plenty of other. I suppose if they're lesser known skiing nations, you know, whether it's any of the Eastern Bloc nations, they were like quite sizable teams there. Whether mm. it's Poland, Hungary. Oh really? Um, they, they had all a good, good strong teams there, mm. um, and again they they have been at the the last couple of interski congresses as well. So so yeah, there's good number of if you like Eastern Bloc or mm. Eastern side of the Alps, yeah, um, countries there as, mm. as well. I didn't know they had skiing in Hungary. Yeah, they do have a little bit of a little bit of snow skiing, and they have some artificial slopes as well. Right, um, but they do a lot of their training in Austria. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, imagine. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, they were training actually when we were in Kidsteinhorn in last November. Hmm. This is turning into a geography test. My own. Yeah, that's <laughs> what, yeah. I'm limited <laughs> in my geography. Okay, cool. Um, perfect. All right, so let's, let's move on to, uh, to, to something else. So, you, 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 run, a, you run your ski school here in the Chamonix, yeah. Chamonix Valley. How long have you, how long have you been here in, and um, this was season 15. Oh, really? Mm. And yeah, before that, you were somewhere else? And before that, I worked for a new generation in Courchevel. Okay. Um, so I did three seasons in Courchevel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then we came and set up in Chamonix. Uh, so Bass is a, a franchise. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, through, through Hugh Money. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we've had that 15 years in Chamonix and probably 10 or around 10 over here in San Jose. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Oh, wow. And, and did you, uh, it's beautiful. I can't stop looking out your window. It's an amazing <laughs> view of the back of what's that over there? That's the Dom de Miage you're oh, looking wow. at. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. Um, some serious mountains here, but the, yeah. the, did you specifically want to come to this valley or, or it was a, a sort of opportunity? Have, have you been? Yeah, no, I, I did. I, um, I'd always come to Chamonix just to ski for fun. Yeah. Um, even back when I worked in the Port de Soleil back in 
Oh, okay. So, so that's why you need so, a guide to go down the Valley of Nauch or something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. So and I imagine if you're off, you piece, of off piece on a glacier, then you, you need to be a mountain guide. Right. Or you need to be with a mountain guide. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's that out with ski instructors domain. Mm. But but we would run courses where some some of the courses on the final day would be with the instructor and the mountain guide. Mm-hmm. You, know, you still have the advantage of getting the the tuition from the instructor while the guide is, is making all the decisions in terms of oh yeah that's a great where idea to, where to go so that that's can be quite popular as well yeah yeah and the I mean the off piece terrain around here is limitless isn't it it's mm, just absolutely the opportunities yeah. are enormous yeah. and obviously huge amounts of touring terrain as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh cool that's good um I wanted to just jump back to easy if I can mm. pointing at my little map here yeah. have you noticed I'm going to bring up the dreaded B word dreaded Brexit word I'm <laughs> desperately trying not to get involved in this podcast but um, have you noticed a jump in in membership or anything like that due to Brexit because Ireland are obviously going to remain in the EU once once the deadline goes yeah um, and I guess people still I guess there must be people who are concerned about access to the European market with let's say the British qualification yeah and if those guys kind of get Brexited and, and there's no, oh, I, I've completely lost track of the whole, you know, the argument and all the stuff that goes backwards and forwards. But have you seen a, a, a jump or, or an increase in interest in, in what you're doing through that? I, I would say we have seen an increase in interest, but most of it has come through what we're doing as an association and the courses that we're It's not driven by running. Brexit. It's, it's, no, it's, by not, it's not been driven by Brexit. I mean, there have been... Obviously, some people looking to join and thinking that it's going to help. Yeah. But the reality is none of us know exactly what's going to happen. And ultimately, it comes down to where, you know, what passport you hold. Mm. Uh, it's going to make yeah. more of a difference than course, yeah. the association that you're qualified through. Mm. So just because you're a member of AAZ isn't going to necessarily make any difference. Ultimately, yes. There is the element that IAC is part of the European Union and the Delegated Act, which is now just about in its final stages of going into law. Yes. Um, yeah. Will mean that IAC are obviously part of that mm-hmm. and, and that our top qualifications are fully recognised as, as being the top qualification within this new Act. Mm. So, yeah, there may be some advantage to that, but it's still going to come down to passport as to whether you're going to have rights to work in. Yeah. You anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I'd say more of our growth is driven just simply by our attendances at Interskis, the fact that our qualifications are more well known, mm-hmm. um, that we have more providers running qualifications. You, know, mm. you said you spoke to Warren Smith there yes, that's recently, right. and obviously the Warren Smith Ski Academy, you know, you know use IAZ qualifications exclusively mm. with their GAP courses. And he was raving yeah. about you guys. It's, it's, it's brilliant what, so, what you're doing. So. Yeah, and we had some of the academy guys, or two of the academy guys, uh, Jordan and Andy on the team. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, that our growth is driven by other factors, I would say, uh, rather than Brexit. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just wondering if it had an effect. That's all. It sort of struck me as, you know, worth talking about. Certainly. I mean, we did have a, a period where we had a lot of people you know, wanting to join the association, mm. you know, from other associations. Um, but my response would always be, even if people wanted to join, I would never want them to give up 
the association they were a member of. Mm-hmm. You know, if they want to have, if you like, dual membership of different associations, yeah, then yeah. fantastic, or even more than two associations, mm-hmm. many, many instructors do. Um, but, you know, thinking that suddenly joining IOSI would be better than being in the other associations, I don't think mm-hmm. is, is the case. No, there, I mean, the reason I joined was, was twofold. One was that I really liked the way that your correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think when you're on an examination, you can pass various elements of it. But if you are just short on one element, there is the option to, to go away and practice that and come back and then get that, get to the level on that. I don't know whether yeah, that still exists. We, yeah, no, it does. We've made a number of changes. We, we used to have our, most of our courses used to be six days duration. So if you did the level three technical module or level four technical module, it was a six day course, but mm. we split that now into a three-day prep course and a three-day exam. Oh, cool. Right. So they some they will quite often run as three days, followed mm-hmm. by three days, but some people may attend the three-day prep just as a bit of a taster. Yeah. Others may just feel they're confident enough that they can attend the exam. They don't need to do the three-day prep. Mm-hmm. But we also did that so that if people were joining from other associations, they could just do the three-day exam. Yes. But we also brought in that people had to do basically um, an exam at the same level mm. as their own association Yeah. so that they couldn't just uh, get a straight conversion. They would have to do our, our technical exam. And part of our reason for that is that our own technical philosophy or content is, has changed a lot mm-hmm. over the, over our attendance at Interskis and, mm. and the influences we have from the Swiss, from the Canadians etc within our system so that it was important that people coming into the association actually understood and learnt about the association didn't just yeah. simply join yeah so and doing a three-day exam is not too big an ask if people <laughs> want to join it's it's yeah you know it's relatively uh, straightforward mm. um, so so we have that change but then as you mentioned we also have you know if if you're doing say the level three technical and you're just not getting it in short turns or mm. so if it's kind of one element that you're you yeah. still need some brushing up on then you can get a, a sort of one day reset is that just, so if it's just one element you're not getting it on yeah because it tends if there's, if you're like, if you're if there's more forward, than one element yeah. then it tends to be some fundamental movement pattern that still yeah. needs sorting out so that you, you're going to need to mm. come back but again then you're only coming back for three days you're not coming back for a full week yeah so it, it's still in that sense, it, it's quite appealing to people. Um, but yeah, there is that option. We, we do get some people who just need that. I'd like to do a one-day reset, mm. you know, whether it's at level three or level four. And, and that works at level two as well. So, What I uh, thought was also really interesting, which, which prompted me to join at, at a certain time, was that um, you also have at the top of your system, so in the level four framework, you have the option to go into... You, you, there is a there's there is a dual option where you can choose to go and take the European speed test with mm-hmm. access to working in France, but there's also the option of taking the ISIA speed test. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, doing I the ISIA technical test is is an option. So <clears throat> so yeah, you're right. We at level four, we have two, you know, like two outcomes, mm-hmm. and it was very much designed around well, where did people actually want to work? Yeah. Um, so for for some people. Uh, Switzerland was very much where their focus was so the ISA card is is very well recognized within the Swiss 
um, Swiss resorts. Mm. So that, that made sense for people, for others, then if they were interested in working in France or mm. Italy, then going down the Euro test mm. would, would be the option. So, yeah, that may or may not change now, obviously, with the Delegated Act coming in, that will potentially change things a little bit. But, yeah. you know, we're very much part of ISA and supportive of, of the ISA, so... Yeah. So that ISA card is still, mm. you know, an important outcome for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you'll know from from you know speaking to Warren and Jordan and and your, you know, Switzerland. I think is 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 quite a it's quite an attractive proposition these days. Um, you know, it's not it's not kind of France isn't the be all and end all of everything anymore. No, I don't think. No, I think there's a lot of options for people at all levels in Switzerland. It's not. Mm. You know, I think. Originally, it was probably not too hard to get work in one of the big Swiss ski schools, but mm. but there's a lot more options, or it seems there's a lot more now available to people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's good. All right. I don't want to keep you anymore because okay. uh, I know you've got um, you got to spend some time with your two new uh, new puppies. Yeah, they're not really puppies anymore. They're enormous. These dogs. Well, they're Pete, going to be enormous. Peter Pan and Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, and, and I've got to go and find my wife and have lunch probably um so before i let you go we, we give everyone a chance to kind of plug uh plug what they're doing so where can people get in touch with with you um right well then basschamonix.com mm-hmm. is uh is our main website for for here uh, for chamonix and for saint gelais but if you go onto the british ski school.com website then you'll find all of the bass ski schools there yeah um, so yeah, that that was the main. We we also have our Parallel Dreams website, which is kind of our other brand, if you like, for running performance courses. So we do some of those pre-season. Yeah, and you do um, a lot of work indoors, don't you? In the yeah, we do some of the snow domes in the in the summer and on the dry well, slopes on, too. On the dry slopes, yeah. So so we we kind of run most of that under our Parallel Dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Brands. And from an IASI perspective, if, if people want to want to find out more about what that is, yeah, well, IASISnowsports.com is mm-hmm. is the web address there, and uh, yeah, we've got got our end of season courses coming up now in in Cabrón, Kitstein Horn Glacier. Okay. Um, so that's really just level three and level four tech and teach modules, and they're yeah, ex- I have a real real Irishman attending the level three. One of my one of my uh, my guys from the team, you know, Matthias. Yes, model, yeah, so. yeah. He's uh, he'll be there. Uh, yeah, no, the, we've got um, really good numbers on the courses this year. So we've yeah. got uh, you know some full level four groups, which is a, a real first. So oh, cool. we have um, a couple of level three techs running, level uh, three and four teach courses running. So yeah, that's so, brilliant. So it should be really good. So there for a couple of weeks, mm. uh, end of this month, beginning of May. Okay. Well, he's been training hard anyway. Good, so, uh, good. We'll see how he gets yeah, on. Yeah, We're doing yeah. bumps training next week. So yeah. He's going to be ready to go as soon as he gets going. So, all right. Well, fantastic. Um, thank you very much. Thank you Pleasure. for your time. Thank you for yeah. welcoming to me to your home. Yeah, no, good. Nice and, to uh, have a chance to chat. Yeah, likewise. All right. <laughs>